Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Yes, that's true. It is your favorite paranormal and conspiracy show on the radio because we're so exciting. We're digging deeper. Actually, we're not really digging deeper. You know, I like to think that we're coming from the same angle that a lot of you are and that we don't necessarily know and then we're trying to find out and then we find these topics really interesting. So, uh, you know, I like to think that we're not coming from this sort of like jargon angle, you know, this angle where you don't understand half the things, you know, we want to, we want them in layman's terms so that we can get it. Hopefully you like that. <clears throat> All right. So for those of you in Reading, you know, the fires that we've been dealing with. And for those of you around the world, we broadcast out of KCNR AM 1460 here in Redding, California, which is in the middle of all these crazy fires. And, uh, you know, they're starting to go out. We're starting to see a little bit of wintry weather. We're hitting some 80s, starting to get nice. But apparently my wife, who who uh, is a news hound, local news hound. I like the national news. She likes the local news. Apparently at 5.30 this morning, somewhere in the vicinity of my house, there was an estimated 300-pound brown bear running through the streets that the authorities had to chase into some drainage culvert and then weren't able to get back because, uh, you know, the fires had chased this wildlife inland. You know, for you uh, <clears throat> Bigfoot fans, maybe we'll get a Bigfoot roaming the streets of Reading. Uh, so I am your host, Chauncey, of Radio Wasteland, and this is my co-host, Sean. Sean, are you there with us? Oh, yeah? Are you there with us? Ah, yes. Now I am. There he is. How are you doing? Good. So this was kind of last minute. Where are you at? I am currently up in Washington. Swim Washington. Oh, so you're back up where you were when the fires were going on. Yes. Are you up there planning your new life? Yes. Are you really? I don't know. I'm up here for reasons that will currently remain mysterious. I like that. I definitely like that. All right. Well, aside from so, did you catch what I was saying about the brown bear? Uh, no. The first thing I heard was, are you on with us? Oh, good timing. So, uh, yeah, my wife was telling me. <laughs> he literally me, just started figuring out how to connect me to the show, like, two minutes ago. So. Right, right. For you for you no. folks listening, we're hitting a new level of technology, which is <laughs> kind of sad, I guess. But um, my, my wife was telling me that in the local news here, she saw that um, the Reading Police and Animal Getter people were... Uh, chasing down a brown bear in the city streets over by my house at 5.30 this morning that had been driven into the town because of all the fires around. That seems reasonable. It seems reasonable, yeah, I guess. But but I'm saying if you're a Bigfoot fan, you know, maybe now's the time to go out there and corral some big feet. I'm, but they would be bears. <laughs> yeah, I guess there would that, be bears. That seems like a problem. You're going to have to bring your bear mace. Yeah. But I assume that Bigfoot uh, hunters... Oh, you're saying that Bigfoot would also naturally be driven... Yeah, 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 yeah. ...along the bear. Right. Yes. So well, you Bigfoot hunt from your home, then. Just totally. Just hang out in the in the parking lot of your local gas and sip. <laughs> and wait for Bigfoot to wander by. And wait for Bigfoot to wander by. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, 
Yeah, so nothing new and exciting going on with you except for you're now a world traveler? Uh, no, not really. Uh, nothing I can talk about on the air. There are ongoing legal issues. That's a lie. Or is it? <laughs> Yeah, well, my week hasn't been too exciting. My my biggest point of excitement today was that um, I skipped lunch and I just chugged iced tea all day. And at about 3.30, I thought I was going to have some sort of, like, freaky panic attack from just chugging so much uh, caffeine. Yeah, you know, humans were not meant to live the way we do. That's obvious. But, you know, it still smacks us in the face every now and then. You know, you know, times when nature is just like, wouldn't you enjoy a nice antelope? But, you know, you're just sitting there right. chugging your, your iced tea. And it was antelope so. flavored. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, I tell my kids this on a regular basis that, you know, I, I, I tell them as though I'm being all serious and stuff like that. I'm all, all right, look out the window and look at what mankind has built. Look at all of these buildings and all these marvels and all this stuff. And they're all like, ooh, and then I'm just all, none of this is the way that things were meant to be. Basically, some guys just decided that this was the way that things were meant to be, and then people built on top of that over the years, and this is what we got now. Okay, well, so this <laughs> reminds me, I was reading recently about, you know, post-apocalyptic scenarios and all, because that's what you do, um, and I was reading some stuff, and apparently, if there were a nuclear war or something, you know, a massive plague, whatever. If civilization as it is were to vanish, it's unlikely that we would ever have another industrialized civilization on Earth. Why is that? We the used everything up? The, the reason being is we used all the easy-to-get-to fossil fuels. Right. So, you know, without very high degrees of technology... You know, we're kind of bootstrapping ourselves up into not having to rely on fossil fuels so much, but, like, clearly we're not there yet. Right. So until we can get to a point where, well, I I don't know that there's ever really a point we could get to. You know, you, you just, you can't make, you can't fabricate, you know, super cool solar panels and batteries and stuff without using fossil fuels. Right, but it is highly possible that we have overlooked something um, totally obvious that we just never even thought about looking at, you know, because of fossil fuels. But most most of our renewable technology really does rely on ad- advanced materials that you need an industrial system already in place to build. Like plastics and polymers. It, exactly. And, yeah. So, one, you know, you can use the the dirty power sources or whatever – to get those, and then you can start creating renewable stuff. But if everything goes back to zero, then you can't start building the plastics and so forth that you need to to produce energy in any other way, really. Right. It's like those games. Yeah. Uh, there's certain like video games where you have two monitors, and you're trying to build up one while hovering the other, and you're basically trying to, with the development of society, not hit a critical mass with one thing so that you can move on to the other before that other one hits that level that, you know, there's no turning back or or you burn it all out or something like that. Like, let's say we had 50% less obtainable um, fossil fuels here, we would have burnt ourselves out long ago before we could have even gotten here, right? Right, exactly. That's true. So it, 
it makes you think a little bit more about the stakes of, you know, any sort of post-apocalyptic scenario, because it's like, you think, oh, well, okay, 200 years later, though, we'll rebuild. But it's like, no, that's it. If humanity survives, it's just going to be Dark Ages forever. <laughs> it's going to get all Handmaid's Tale. Exactly. And well, people will be like, you know, remember when there were cell phones? That was great. Magic from the gods, because we are ignorant and superstitious and only know what horses and diseases are and stuff like that. Right. All right, well, we're coming up on our first break. You are listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. And our guests, Leanne and Angela from Spirited History Podcast, from our own network that we also air on on Wednesday nights, the Para X Radio Network. Leanne and Angela, do we have you there? Uh, yes, we do. All right. Um, so we actually haven't had a paranormal researchers on in quite some time, and uh, it, frankly, I was kind of missing it. And then when I see that you're hitting here the Poe Museum, and then you're hitting, uh, man, I'm forgetting the name of it, the... Um, the, uh, Waverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. So I saw the movie that was made there. Um, <laughs> it was terrible, but uh, yeah. but the setting was awesome. <laughs> the setting is absolutely awesome. Um, so first, let's talk about your podcast. You know, um, we're both on Para X. I'm sure we've heard each other before, but for the listening audience, why don't we tell them what spirited history your guys' podcast is all about? Well. Uh... <laughs> Spirited History podcast began in 2008. Uh, Angela and I had met in a paranormal group, and she and I just hit it off pretty much like sisters. And one night uh, in her kitchen, I was telling her about a lot of our historic sites were missing funding. And as an educator, I thought, you know, this is a teachable moment where we can really combine and connecting with spirit and uses as fundraising for our historic sites and bring in a new audience. And Angela agreed. And what happened next, Ange? My uh, husband, he's in IT, and he's pretty handy with computers. And we were just talking about it, and all of a sudden he goes, well, here's your website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've done that, that to and my wife a couple we times. We came up with our name, Spirited History. And, you know, I'd been interested in the paranormal for a long time and over 25 years now, um, researching and learning as much as I can, and Angela as well. And, and we just, as soon as we started forming it, it just seemed like the right people gravitated towards us. And we have a core group now of 14 investigators Whoa. that we go to different historic locations throughout the East Coast and help with fundraising events. And thus far, our little group's raised about $55,000. Yeah, so as, as soon as you said that, that actually, like, struck an interest with me because it seemed like the perfect um, comparison. You know, a lot of people might go, well, I don't know if that's a, a great match. But but when it comes to history, not only are you, you're like killing two birds with one stone. Not only are you researching the history of like what went on there for the haunting and the paranormal, but also the history to add weight to it and value to it as a historic site and to drum up interest in it as a historic site. 
Exactly. Oh, People are always interested in the anecdotal stories and the legends and lore associated with our historic locations. Oh, absolutely. And nobody Angela goes to the Tower I, of London yeah. because nobody died there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's but, just, you know, for like, both of us, we're just huge history nerds and, and um, really appreciated learning more about the historic locations through diaries and census records and information like that. And if we could find something quantifiable that we could prove with that or connect with spirit with that, that to us intrigued us. Well, let me separate your voices here. Who am I talking to right now? This is Leanne. Leanne, okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree that that it is just really an awesome way to get into it. And really nobody nobody gets into the paranormal to the level of chasing it and, and loving it without also being a, a history buff. I assume, Angela, mm -hmm. that you're a history buff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've always loved history, and, you know, I've been intrigued with the paranormal, but I never really thought, oh, you know, I'm going to go look for spirits. <laughs> it's always something like, you know, it's one of those things you contemplate to yourself, like, what do I believe is going to happen to me after I leave this plane of existence? Mm -hmm. It was never something where I thought, I wonder if those echoes are still here. And then, you know, para-entertainment kind of exploded. And that's yeah. when I was like, wow, people actually research this and this is a thing. And that's when I found Leanne. And, and like she said, we, we just became friends so fast. So, and then we had that extra little, we both loved history so much that we were like, let's do something with this. Let's, you know, bring this to the light. So, um, Leanne, on your show, what are you guys really discussing? Are you guys having guests on or are you talking about your investigations or a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B? A little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. We we love having guests. We have those that are out in the fields connecting with spirit and history. We have uh, those that work and run historic locations. We also bring up topics that interest us, and we think, you know, if you're in the paranormal, this will probably interest you. We did a recent one on dowsing uh, because we do use that during our investigations. Uh, we'll... Uh, future shows, we want to highlight some of our um, those in the past that have done research work, like Sarah Estep, who created the classification system for EVP, um, things like that. So these are like pioneers of the of the paranormal investigation history. Exactly, exactly. So we can see where we've come from, and really, a lot of it we're still doing. You know, oh. We need to break out of some of that and, and add to what these pioneers have, have done. Yeah, well, there's, you know, there's definitely a stigma that comes with it. You know, it's no longer the <laughs> stigma that's going to keep us out of a job, but it's definitely, you know, the stigma that's probably not going too mainstream just yet, you know. <laughs> the pseudoscience. <laughs> right, the pseudoscience. So, um, Angela, I think that you guys are, like, really kind of lucky. So here I am, not only am I in California on the <laughs> West Coast, but I'm in Northern California on the West Coast, and, you know, we just don't have 
at least the industrialized history that you guys have over there. Of course, we have Native American history, just like the entire continent does, but but histories history associated with structures that we know and we see and that carry that history with them, you know, due to American life, a lot of the Native American history has been wiped out, you know, but you guys are able to just sort of, I'm sure, travel town to town and find some really, really old, cool places. Is that right, Angela? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Richmond, where we're based out of, is rich in history between the Mm -hmm. Revolutionary War, the Civil War, all the way up to, you know, Poe Museum, where Poe didn't actually live, but artifacts of his are there and he probably did visit as a child or as a young man um we're just kind of saturated here in the south um i grew up in california so i know what you mean it's kind of a new history there right except for the really old history which is more passed on verbally and, and not as well documented as say the white history that we you know have down here when colonization started and stuff Right. So, it's like a, I, I, I don't know how to say this yeah. PC wise, but it seems like out here in California, every single place that anybody ever says it ha- was haunted, they all go, it used to be a brothel, you know, and, like, yeah. <laughs> and it seems like everything out here used to be an old West brothel and now it's haunted. And I'm just like, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we could get a different story going here, you know, it's true. Uh, yeah. Well, we get we get um, Washington yeah. slept here and we get the classic lady in white everywhere. What is the classic lady in white? The vision of a ethereal being, and she's dressed in all white, and they see her gliding through either the structures or in the gardens or around the buildings. Um, almost every location we go to, there seems to be an ethereal lady in white. Huh. Or the blue lady, like at West. Yeah. I guess that's come back at I don't know what just happened, but... Maybe we're getting haunted, you know, but but maybe it's like, uh, you know, the dosing of the afterlife if it's all over the place. Mm. So um, when we come back, we're going to be discussing the Poe Museum. And ah, yeah. you said that, that Poe's not from there, so I, I'm assuming that the assumption is that artifacts from there are maybe haunted or or memories. So before we cut... Let's let's leave Poe till we come back. You know, what do you think? Maybe a quick answer. We got like one minute. What do you think spirits are? Do you think they're actually leftover life representations, or do you think they're sort of an echo of what once happened? Do you think they're like spirits that haven't passed on, or are they spirits that are gone and they left kind of an echo? Those seems to be the two kind of ideas. I think think there's both. I think some are placed memories, like a record groove, and I think some are actually um, what we call interactive or aware and are beyond the memory that might be something that either is visiting and can come and go or is stuck there because they feel like they can't pass on. Right. Tethered somehow. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Well, man, that just prompts a bunch of questions, but we're coming up here on our first commercial break. You're listening to our guests, Leanne and Angela, from the Spirited History Podcast on the Parax Radio Network. Come on back, and we're going to be talking about the Poe Museum in Richmond, Virginia. (laughs) 
Radio Wasteland and our guest Leanne and Angela from Spirited History Podcast on the Paradex Radio Network. Um, so, so this Pope Museum was was basically just a happy accident that it was so close to you and so perfect for what you guys wanted, right? Well, it was a location that uh, we absolutely loved going to for the history of the Old Stone House which is one of the buildings in the Poe Museum complex because it is one of the oldest in Richmond dating back to 1754 and is made from the ballast stones from the ships that would come in to along the riverfront. And um, this intrigued us because, you know, my goodness, this dates back and it's the oldest stone and there's theories about stone and the stone tape theory and, right. and uh, somehow encapsulating voices from the past and something activates it to replay. So we we took a recorder in there during one of the tours and we wanted to see the largest collection of Poe memorabilia, which is in this um, particular museum. And we actually captured a female's voice sighing in a room that usually does not have people in it and we had secured a recorder. Uh, so we contacted the management there and asked, you know, this is what we would like to do. We always have a confidentiality clause with our clients until they're ready to go public, if they ever are. Mm -hmm. And they agreed to have us come in. And we investigated that location for how long, Ange? How many years, do you think? Oh, like four or five. <laughs> at least, yeah. yeah. Well, and we were there at least three to four times a year. Um, different seasons, testing different theories. And each time we would go to this complex of buildings, something would happen, something unusual, something that we could not um, replicate, and a lot of electronic voice phenomena, which was interesting to us. Right, right. And so we have a couple of those that we're going to try giving a listening to here. Uh, I want to tell the audience first, you know, we've all seen horror movies. I'm a horror movie fanatic, by the way. I like to tell okay. anybody just in case I can make horror movie friends because I don't have any. Um, cool. That these things are obviously, one is obviously capable of, of faking these things. So audience, if you're out there listening and you're thinking, oh, well, that's fake, you know, uh, there is no money in anything that any of us do. There is no purpose in faking it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I just have to remind people of that. They're just all, oh, well, they're totally fake. I mean, I mean, to what point, you know, I, I don't see much of a point in trying to, it's not like, uh, well, we're paying know, the bills with other the paranormal. paranormal investigators feel that way about other EVPs, <laughs> you know, there's, there's always going to be that wonder of, is the, is this really true or not? Right. For me, it's those personal experiences, and when we do capture something like this, for myself, I can say, this I cannot explain, and it is a direct response to my questions. And some of it we've captured correlates to history that a lot of people are not privy to, mm. which is interesting to us. But, yeah. So you're finding out um, after just, the fact. We leave it up to the public to to make their own judgment. All right. So uh, this first one here, you said that you had the voice um, of the woman. So this would be the um, the second one on the list that you sent me. 
Why don't we try that one on, Jared? I don't know if that was the voice of the woman. This was a voice saying, am I dead? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's yeah. This weird, there's this weird, um, this was in the Old Stone House, mm-hmm. and they had had reports of children running throughout the building and showing up in wedding photographs. And Angie and I always go in, I, want, I don't want to say cynical, but we're leery of it. We want to have our own experiences and say, well, you know, maybe it is in a neighborhood. Maybe there are neighborhood kids coming in through the garden gate. Well, you have to look at come, it that way or you're, yeah. not, or you're not investigating. And we were absolutely shocked that this was completely locked up with a security system. We had cameras in every room. We had recorders in every room. And there's nothing on camera during this. And we can track the first EVP we have is is the feet, and that happened first. And then maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes after that, on the steps area, going to the second floor in the old stone house is where we have this giggling child responding to this man saying, I am dead now. All right. And the child's like, <laughs> you know. And for us, we we kind of went, ooh, okay, that's a little creepy. All right, we're going to fire up that first one of the feet running. Let's check okay. it. Okay. Yeah, well, that's pretty undeniable that that's, uh, you know, feet running. Absolutely. And I have to say that if I was sitting in that situation and that happened, and I knew that I was all alone, I would find that terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We actually caught that sound on three different devices. We caught it on two recorders, and it, it it moved. Like, it went from one room where the gift shop is into another room that has, like, an exhibit. And it we caught it on a video recorder and two audio recorders. Right. But no, uh, no visuals to go along with any of these, no huh? No visual. No. Yeah, yeah, which no is... No visual. Is, I'm sure, you know... Um, both proof and disappointing at the same time, because of course we all, you know, we all grew up with Ghostbusters and we want to see full floating apparitions or whatever they called oh, it in yeah. the movies. You know, but, ectoplasm right, right. But, uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of that in the, uh, real world of paranormal investigating. No, but we do have one. Ange had an experience, uh, in the model room where she felt something go through her. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm I'm probably the least sensitive, empathic, any kind of, I have no ability, I'm just me. And um, we were standing there, and we, we play music and stuff um, for place memory to activate, like, the area. Sometimes we'll play either period music, usually. Uh, in this case, we played some, I believe it was the Beatles, right? Yeah, because what was interesting is there's a model of the Poe Museum in there, and in the 60s and 70s it was worked on by a group of men and or artists and, and to repair it. And we were getting, our instruments were going off. We had high EMF spikes, and the lights actually were going off and on at the same time with the spikes and our dowsing rods. We are having multiple things happen. And... Uh, we were getting responses to the music, and then Angela just kind of grabbed me 
with one of those grabs, <laughs> like you're holding on for dear life. And I'm looking at her like, oh, my God, are you going to – I thought she was going to pass out. But what happened, Ange? It, it was the weirdest feeling I've ever had. Like, I was standing there, and we were just, like, listening to the music, and it felt like something walked through me. It felt like cobwebs. And and then it – but I felt it go through my body. Like, it wasn't my whole body at once felt this weird feeling. It was like I felt something press through the front of me and go through the back of me. And it felt like pins and needles and, like, cobweb. Like, I had cobwebs hitting my face, and I, like – and then it felt like spiky pins and needles. That's the only way I can really explain it. And then it was gone. It was, like, as quick as it went through me, it went – it was gone, and I was just like, what the heck was that? <laughs> and did that make you and want to go home at that, that point? Enough, so it was really weird for me. Did that make you want to go home at that point? No. It, I mean, it doesn't freak me out. It it freaked me yeah. out for about a second, and then I was like, well, that was kind of cool, but I don't want it to happen again, so don't do that to me Right. <laughs> no, no. Oh, my God. Um, what's interesting is, on video, when that happened, another person in the group her head ducks, and you can actually see her head, her hair get moved, like padded, like burnt. Oh, really? Yes. And to me, I found that interesting, just the whole sequence of events in that. And then it was gone. We didn't experience anything else in that location the rest of the night. Um, well, we just so, got a few more, you know, a minute or so up until the uh, <laughs> next commercial break. So... I want to play these other two um, EVPs that we have from the Poe Museum. So, uh, Jared, can you fire us up number three? This is a voice at the end saying, stay as long as you want. Going into the model building. Uh, I love this model. So I assume there was not a male there with you. There uh, were two investigators, a husband um, and wife, and they're opening the door into the model room. And what they feel like is captured on there is a female, right after you hear the door open, saying, stay as long as you want, very southern. Um, and what's interesting is at that time we had there was an Elmira Shelton exhibit in that room of her personal effects. Well, we're coming up on our commercial break. We're going to have to pick this up when we come on back. You are listening to Leanne and Angela from Spirited History Podcast on the Parax Radio Network right here on Radio Wasteland. Come on back. All right. Welcome back to Radio Wasteland. And we're talking with our guests Leanne and Angela from Spirited History Podcast from the Parax Radio Network. Um, Angela, maybe you could set up this last one for us real quick. I want to finish up these EVPs from the Poe Museum before we move on to the sanitarium. Uh, but, I, you know, this is our last segment, so I want to make sure we have enough time to get to the sanitarium. This last one is a voice saying, I hate that, at the Enchanted Garden. What What's the Enchanted Garden? Um, at the Poe Museum, it's, as we said, it's kind of a complex. There's the Old Stone House, which is the oldest building there, and then there's four other buildings. Mm -hmm. um, that are kind of, and it makes like, it encircles a garden in the center where you can rent that area for um, weddings and and stuff. And, and they also have like every third Thursday of the month, they have what they call unhappy hour in the garden. 
Sweet. It's, it's just really fun. They're really great there at the Pony Museum. They really embrace their their gothic, you know. Their fans, emo. yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of our investigators was in the garden, and I they said something, and this was the response to it. <laughs> All right, Jared, can you fire up that fourth one for us? Well, we may have had a ghost to burn with us. No, no. Okay. There's two groups. There's the Richmond Paranormal Group. Yeah, I definitely heard that at the end. That was creepy. <laughs> Sounded like somebody mm-hmm. talking while inhaling. It kind yeah, of sounds very like whispery. I hate that. You know, like to me, it sounds like somebody like me cussing if I dropped a brick on my foot while inhaling. <laughs> you know? Or 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 someone that really smokes. Yeah, yeah, which is me cussing after dropping a <laughs> brick on my foot while inhaling. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, you know, in that enchanted garden, it's just filled with um, ivy from his mother's grave. Poe's mother's buried uh, up the street at St. John's Church. Oh, really? She actually That's died cool. in Richmond, yeah. And Poe, even though he wasn't born in Richmond, he did consider Richmond his home. The Allen family adopted him once his mother passed. And um, so with the Poe Museum, it has the largest collection of Poe memorabilia, and if you are in the Richmond area, it really is worth coming and see. They have a lock of his hair, his personal clothing. It's just a phenomenal place. And I'm going to tell you, take your recorder. You will not be disappointed. I you will definitely you will make come it away a point. with an experience. I will definitely make it a point of, of getting there. All right. So um, this our next stop that we're going to try to fit in here into the last break is is talking about your guys's investigation into the Waverly Hills Sanitarium. Nothing's more freaky than sanitarium because it implies all sorts of just terrible, terrible things. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the Waverly Hills Sanitarium, where it is and what it was? Well, Waverly Hills, it, it was for tuberculosis patients. It started out as a, uh, School, the Waverly Hill School, named after a book series by Sir Walter Scott by one of the teachers. But over time, it was morphed into a sanitarium or sanatorium for those that were suffering with uh, tuberculosis. And it became quite an epidemic in the area there in uh, Jefferson County in Kentucky. And at one point, it was filled with about, I'm going to say, what, 140 people, Ange? Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. And they had an open-air ward on the fourth floor, and they believed that um, that would be a curative for tuberculosis. So even in the wintertime, people would be wheeled out in their beds or chairs into this open ward, into the open air there and at times their blankets would even be covered with snow and I think this was one of the first times electric blankets were actually used and utilized for patients but uh, it has always been an active paranormal place it has that lure of it and Ange and I being in the paranormal field we were drawn to go and see for ourselves exactly you know is this place haunted as they're saying it is so in the case of the Poe Museum, you were talking about having, like, multiple cameras around in separate rooms, but we're dealing with something much smaller. In the case of Waverly oh, Hills, we're dealing with something much larger. 
So how does that go? Do you, how do you pick the rooms where you're going to have your stationary items or do you even bring those with you? How does, how does that go? We, we went bare minimum commando (laughs) just for the experience. And for us, you can kind of get lost in all the equipment sometimes and you miss things. And for Angela and I, we were the only ones that had actually, in our group, what they did was they broke us up into groups for each floor. Isn't that right, Angela? Yeah. And we were the only ones that actually had investigated the paranormal at all in our group of 10 people. Mm. Uh, So they pushed us into the front and kind of held on to us behind us because you're in complete darkness. And you're in an open-air environment, so it's already contaminated. You can have sounds from cars or soundscape. Sounds can come and echo from far away. Um, It's filled with birds roosting, and we found out later. And (laughs) we were looking at our (laughs) photographs, and I thought Ange had a brown fanny pack zoomed in on the picture, and it was what, Ange? It was a big, giant bat flying from behind me, and it was headed towards the camera. (laughs) It was huge, and and that's when it hit us that you can think you know your surroundings, but those little suckers, and there was one in the same picture coming at my flash as cameras. There were two. We didn't hear them. They're like the IR We didn't sense them at all. So we're like, okay, if people are saying they're being touched by something, it's probably these bats flying in here. Or well, breeze went by them. We do have an EVP that you guys are sharing with us from there. Um, maybe we'll yeah. fire that up. Um, Angela, why don't you set this up? What are we about to listen to here? Um, we were in the like kitchen dining area, and somebody in our group had brought a present. There's a little girl spirit that has been seen up on the floor we were in, the second mm-hmm. floor. And she brought a present to leave for her, and we were telling her about it, and we were doing a real time with the radio that the hack box. We were right. doing one of those sessions, but we were also recording on our EVP on our um, electronic recorders and caught this electronic voice phenomena. This is not from the. Um, you can hear the radio in the background, but this is actually an electronic voice phenomena that we got in response to telling her that we a left direct. Yeah, a direct response. I see. All right, Jared, fire that up, would you? Yeah, so what we're hearing there is the clicking is what I know of as a ghost box, right? Right. Right, and and so mm-hmm. so you're using that to sort of like uh, bring out the the try to pick something up there and try to pick something up in the room, and what you got was it it kind of seemed almost like backwards speak. I don't know, I wasn't hearing it very well, but what were you hearing? Well, we got her name. She said we we asked what her name was. She said Candy, and it's kind of evil sounding to me. Like it freaks me out. It's like candy, and you're like, oh, it just makes Ugh. the hairs on your yeah. arms kind of go up. The best ones and then do. You hear, when we t- when we talk about the present, <laughs> you hear like in the same voice, "Thank you," and then "Thank you" because we told we said we left the purse yeah. for you. Well, I I found all of this really interesting. I just totally love 
uh, doing this stuff. But unfortunately, we're coming up on the end of the show here. Uh, Leanne, maybe you can tell us, uh, our listeners, where they can find out more about Spirited History and where they can hear you guys. Oh, they can hear us every night, every Friday night at 8 p.m. on the Para-X Radio Network. They can also catch us on Podomatic and YouTube. We'll uh, repost those up for if you missed us live. And, and that's 8 p.m. Have, Eastern, right? Mike, excuse me? That's 8 p.m. Eastern? Yes. And then we have upcoming events. You can go to our Spirited History website. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We've got several events. We're going to be at Fort Mifflin on October 6th, so come see us there. We're going to be at Weston Plantation for an investigation on October tw- uh, 20th, and then we have a Spirited History Dinner at Swift Creek Mill here where you can hear our tales and actually see a video of a disembodied arm that we have. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you've been listening to Leanne and Angela from Spirited History here on Radio Wasteland. Thanks for checking us out. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. You've been listening to our guests, Leanne and Angela, from Spirited History Podcast, from the Para-X Radio Network, where we also call home. Sean, what'd you think of that? What'd you think of a... Uh, I know this is a topic that you like. Uh, yes, it certainly is. And, you know, we've been dealing with aliens and serious science and stuff for so long. I'm just, like, glad to get back to spirits walking the earth. Right. Um, yeah. So, as always, I found it super fascinating. The EVPs, um, you know, EVPs are always kind of hit or miss for me. I loved the I hate that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, I think, was my favorite of the bunch, because it really, it did sound like, you know, a disgruntled smoker wraith. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, definitely. And you could hear them all talking in the background. And you would think they would notice if some guy was standing next to him who's all, I hate that. You know, it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. I went all Jacob Marley for a second. Right, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I have have, uh, otherworldly Tourette's. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know. Yeah, but my favorite thing is uh, the story about um, the spirit walking through one of. Forget the name of the person who that was. The white lady or whatever? No, no. Um, one oh, of our, oh, passing through Angela's body. Angela, yes. Yeah. I knew it wasn't Leanne. It was the other one. but Right. <laughs> where she said it felt like cobwebs at first and then it like passes yeah, through her. That is super interesting to me. And I completely believe that that happened. You know, I've never had a paranormal experience like that. Have you? Um, no, well, okay, there was never anything that dramatic, but there was the thing that I think I mentioned on our first show ever, um, the experience of being bitten by something invisible. That's terrifying. Right? Yeah. Which apparently is a a common thing with ghosts, you know, being bitten or scratched or whatever. And I've always suspected that my house growing up was deeply haunted so 
probably a good thing it burned down, frankly. Probably exercised a few demons with that. You know, I always wonder, like, how that works. Like, okay, so let's say your house is, like, totally haunted. There's ghosts there. They don't live in the physical realm. And so if that house burns down, I mean, they didn't burn down. Ghosts aren't flammable, I assume. Um, like, so where do they go? Do they say, well, I guess it's time to move on, you know, or, or are they still there for the next new build? Is it like a poltergeist, you know, the movie poltergeist where they build on the Indian burial ground and they're all still there and now they're in the closet and stuff. Well, I don't know. It seems like in a lot of cases, it seems like in a lot of cases, the ghosts are like drawn to familiar surroundings and stuff. Right. Like, they don't know they're dead or they're just, you know, they're, they're still bound to something. So I would think, you know, if the house burns down, then they would just be like, you know, time to pack it in. There's, there's nothing for us here. Then again, no one lived in the house before us. My parents built the house, so I don't know why it would be haunted. Indian burial ground. Well, it is actually built on a mining encampment. Yeah, there you go. So it's probably, you know, just disgruntled gold rush types yeah some guy got murdered for his gold tooth and they ripped it out and you know now he's uh, <laughs> haunting your you know half bath apparently <laughs> you know the thing i really so, like about paranormal <laughs> sorry go ahead what yeah so that's the most dramatic thing that's ever happened but i think having something walk through you beats that oh absolutely yeah yeah i've never had anything like that happen you know, the thing I like about paranormal as opposed to UFO is it brings this level of fantasy. You know, in the case of UFOs as a sciencey guy, I can see a lot of answers there. I can see, okay, well, it's the government. Okay, well, it's aliens. Okay, well, they have starships, blah, blah, blah. It sort of fits my belief system. But as a person who has um, no religious leanings and really no spiritual side whatsoever, I don't say that there's nothing out there i don't know but i mean i don't have any connection to that i don't hold rocks i don't pray i don't i don't have any of that you know it sort of brings in this like level of fantasy that really just leaves my brain going i wonder i wonder i wonder i don't have any filled in answers yeah i completely agree for me this like ghosts would be one of the least plausible topics if you know every third person didn't have a ghost story yeah, absolutely. For me, that, that puts it up with UFOs, even though, you know, life existing somewhere in the universe, well, certainly. The dead coming back as incorporeal beings, well, gee, that seems like a bit of a leap, but but there are just so many ghost stories. Yeah, I don't know, it's but if you're religious, it's not that weird. I mean, look at, Jesus okay. did it. Jesus oh, came back so. with, you know, he had yeah, ten fingers and ten toes even when he came back, you know? So he was, no one likes an overachiever. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He went way over. All right. Well, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back. We got some news for you. And welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Sean, you got some news for us? I do, and I managed to find some ghost news here, which was timely. You know, it's often tough finding ghost news because normally, you know, like mainstream news outlets will report on UFOs. 
In fact, they'll do that more and more, and they'll report on Bigfoot, but usually just in like a joking way. Right. But ghosts, not so much. You really have to just dig into the dregs of like the sun and basically tabloids. Right, and it's to the point I've noticed when I'm searching news for that. It elsewhere. Yeah, it tends to be, um, you know, sort of paranormal researchers putting out articles about their own experiences or something like that. It's not necessarily news. Right. And yeah, so, you know, I, I try to steer away from those for this segment unless there's something really good. But as it so happens, there was something good this time. Um, the gray man of South Carolina was spotted. Um, now, if you aren't from South Carolina, which neither of us are, probably you won't know this, but uh, South Carolina is a ghost, or the Gray Man is a ghost that's been seen on the coast of Polly's Island, South Carolina, since 1822, and it's been seen here and there. Um, it resembles just what a lot of lo- ghosts look like, sort of a fuzzy person-shaped column of, of mist with a person-like gait. A lot of people say it looks like a man wearing a gray cloak. And what's interesting about this ghost is that it seems to be largely benevolent. Going back since, like I said, 1822, yes, uh, sightings of the gray man have always happened just before hurricanes strike the area. That's interesting. uh, the the last previous one was just before he, Hurricane Hugo hit in 1989. The great several people saw the Gray Man. Legend has it that if you see the Gray Man, it means hurricanes coming, but your house will be fine. Oh, well, that's good. So basically, people have been seeing the Gray Man again just before Hurricane Florence. That's funny. And it's her, the one no, ghost that it's terrifying not to see. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a different sort of ghost story than normal. And what what I love about this is that you can go back and find tweets from, you know, before from when the hurricane was just brewing and people are saying like saw the gray man time to get out of dodge. Yeah, crazy. Oh, that's totally interesting. You know a movie that makes me think of, have you ever seen a, a it was like a TV miniseries, End of the Century, I think it was called. No. Uh, Stephen King. It was kind of this cool thing about like this, this hardcore storm coming down on this island and all these people sort of have to hide out in the island and weather the storm and like there's some like evil being that is like come to the island and basically said like, give me your babies or something <laughs> or I'm going to destroy As the- you do when you're evil. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I swear, you know. <laughs> I watch movies mainly, and I don't really care for too much television, but I have watched this miniseries like every three years since it came out. <laughs> for some reason, I just I get sucked into it. I download it again and I watch it again. You know, so because like there's something about it being a dark, stormy night that really sort of fits this fear, you know? Yeah. Okay, I got a weird book reference. You don't watch a lot of TV but you read books. Did you ever read Benicula? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I did. I grew up with that book. Okay. I was did- myself to like, you know, represent my literature degree here. <laughs> I, you were going to me with some Faulkner or something, and I was ready. I was ready to like take the hit. Right. 
and you bring up Bendicula, and I actually know it, so that's just great. Now, did you read the sequel, The Holiday Inn? Yes, I did. Okay, so I always remember The Holiday Inn because the first line of the book was, it was not a dark and stormy night, but it deed it should have been for what was about to transpire. And like, I always thought that that was just a great first line for a story, <laughs> you know? So there's nothing that sells me on ghosts and fear like a dark stormy night. I keep telling my wife that the first day that it rains here in Reading, when, when the rains come back, the very first day I'm taking the day off work from all my jobs I'm opening all the windows. I'm getting under a blanket with my dog, and I'm watching scary movies all day. That is what I dream about. <laughs> the American dream, really. That is the American dream. All right, you've been listening to Radio Wasteland. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Is the gray man the harbinger and the protector? I don't know. Thanks for checking us out.